I wanted to dedicate this episode of uh, the Paul Bunyan podcast to a friend that passed away last week. He was a guy I went to Specs Howard with. Uh, we had a background in broadcasting together. Um, he was actually a listener of the Paul Bunyan podcast and would always give me words of encouragement. But he was also a friend, and he was also a big fan of Michigan. He uh, spoke at uh, our Specs Howard graduation, and uh, he was a guy that uh, everyone liked. You know, you always have a guy in high school or a guy that you work with that, you know, no one actually says a bad word about. And while people say that about someone, people occasionally, like someone that actually truly represents that is uh, rare. And uh, I just remember having just great memories of him. Um, I remember on Fridays, he would bring pizza in for everybody and not ask for any money. And he didn't own the pizza place. He was just a pizza delivery driver that probably had a lot of school debt, but you know, he just, he liked everyone. And I, and I, you still talk, when you talk to people at Specs Howard, when they remember our group that went there, our class, we were kind of notable because almost everyone in that class was a sports fan. And I just remember having great memories because I could talk college sports or pro sports and everyone else knew who we were talking about. They knew who Michigan's offensive tackle was. They knew who Michigan State small forward was. Whereas if I tried talking to my family about that, they have no idea who the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> and I just, when I think of Steve, I think of that. And I remember recording podcasts with him and he was a little bit older than me. And he, rem and he told me that he like dreamed of one day playing for Bull Schembechler and being like a starting left tackle. And he was built like one. Um, but, uh, unfortunately he passed away and I just want to dedicate this episode to my friend. Just remember five comes before the fall. back to the Paul Bunyan podcast. It's season two, episode eight. Uh, Michigan came back from a 17-0 deficit in the second quarter to win a thriller, question mark, <laughs> in triple overtime at Rutgers. Yeah, uh, that's a thriller. Yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> the problem was it started so late, so like you were already complaining, Chris, all day about the all game day. being a 7-30 <laughs> kickoff. And then I takes, like a noon kick. Yeah. Uh, no Michigan State game to discuss, as we kind of predicted their game at Maryland was canceled due to COVID concerns from the Terrapins program, but we'll still get into their season so far and their upcoming showdown with the West Division leader, Northwestern, who's number eight in the college football playoff rankings, actually. And we'll also get into the performance of Cade McNamara, his relief performance off the bench for Milton, and uh, just our, expect our expectations for the rest of the year for both teams. So obviously Michigan had a game, so... It makes sense to open with them in this this open discussion segment. Um, Seventeen nothing in the second quarter, and we see the Mac. Well, what are your guys' thoughts? <laughs> I was so I was I was so happy to see him. He should have come in a drive earlier, but 
what happened for the start of the game was that we things were clicking. We were so close, like to breaking open a big drive or to scoring points, and there it would just be Milton missing somebody or just something gone kind of haywire. And then all of a sudden you get down 17 points. You don't even know what hit you because you've been doing pretty much the right thing offensively. And so I knew it was time to shift gears. I couldn't have been more impressed with Cade. I think that we would have won games earlier this season if we had had him playing the entire time. I think he is uh, a general back there. He leads the offense. The receivers respond to him. I don't think we'll see Milton again the rest of the season. And because of that, I think we'll win our next two games, going to Michigan State four. Ohio State. Ohio State four and three. Yeah. Um, If they would have – you said uh, he should have came in a drive earlier. If he would have came in a drive later, if they would have waited until halftime, Michigan loses that game. Right. Um, I was happy with when the game started because – I work Saturday. It was a long day, 10-hour shift. I get home. Me and the wife, we have some dinner. We watch a movie. I have the game DVRing. I'm like, I do not want to ruin my day with that. <laughs> I get a text from a friend who's like, you were right. We are going to lose this game. Michigan's yeah. down 17 nothing, And I laugh. I'm like, <laughs> I made the right decision. And then um, the game goes on so long that even after dinner, after the movie, I was watching Fargo for the first time in forever. Great movie, by the way. Great movie. It's still on. So another, like, Co- another Coen Brothers movie. I, I love Coen Brothers. I do, too. I've got all of them. Lebowski, uh, No Country for Old Men, all their movies are good. Yep. Um, but, I mean, it was kind of exciting. Um, you know, I'm trying to figure out what I think of Cade. And he won, but he won against Rutgers. But this, I do think Rutgers has a little bit more under Shiano. They're still a bad team. Um, this game, by the way, it was offensive to at least four of your uh, senses, uh, as opposed to most of Michigan's games this year, which are offensive to all five. Uh, but, I mean, down 17, nothing, uh, having no defense to work with. Because, I mean, this game wouldn't have gone into overtime if it wasn't for Don Brown's atrocious defense. <laughs> and, and then this is uh, Kate's first start. Uh, Joe... Um, I think it was a, a episode even before Chris came on. You asked me about Dylan leaving yeah. and if Milton goes down. And I was like, well, I mean, it does lower the ceiling on Michigan season. But I thought Cade, Cade was coming in as a pretty hype quarterback. Right. Maybe. Capable. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I said, you know, they have a good backup and he might actually be a pretty decent starter. And, and it wasn't all Milton's fault that they were blanked. Like, obviously, Cornelius Johnson fumbled. Uh, after picking up a first down, I believe, on Michigan's first drive. Uh, again, they go for fourth and short, but they run the quarterback out of the shotgun, uh, which is just mind-bottling to me. So it wasn't all on Milton. Like, I, I put the, the start against Wisconsin more on Milton, or, like, the Michigan State game more on Milton. Um, but he still missed, guys. He did. We had yeah. a receiver, I forget who fell down, Ronnie Bell's 10 yards past anybody, and he misses him. Uh, there was another play that was similar to that one in the first half as well. And that's all it takes. I mean, sometimes you get in a third down situation, you've got to convert there. And he just, I think his ceiling is high enough. I think his potential is there. But I think with Milton, the problem is that um, he's not, he, he lacks consistency. Yeah. yeah. 
And, oh. and just look at McNamara's first touchdown pass. It was Cornelius Johnson on a double move wide open. It's not guaranteed that Milton would make that pass. Right. Know, we saw that throw against Indiana with Ronnie. I think it was Ronnie Bell wide open. I'm, right. glad, I'm glad I was happy, I was able to fast forward when I went back and watched it. But oh, it was brutal. <laughs> Michigan football is not meant to be enjoyed. It's meant to be endured. <laughs> I'm like, I am so glad I didn't have this on on Saturday evening. Like, the aggravation, it just put me in a bad mood. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if Milton's will ever get the accuracy issues down. Part of me thinks he will end up transferring and being good somewhere else. Um, but, you know, your boy... I found out he's still enrolled at uh, Michigan, uh, McCaffrey. He's taking classes. He's just not on the team. Really? Yeah. So, <laughs> But he has submitted to the transfer portal, right? No. No, he hasn't. He still can, but he hasn't But yet. he could also decide to lace it up? He, yeah, he could come. Wow. He could transfer. He could See, just. It makes me wonder if he was already behind both of those guys. Like going into – because I don't know if you transfer. If you're McCaffrey and you're saying, okay, Milton's going to get the start – but it's going to be a strange year. He might get COVID. I'll probably get half the games or half the downs. But maybe they put him behind both guys. Maybe he was third string. I don't know what to think because my initial thought was, oh, he must Milton must beat him out. But Cade was behind Milton. So can you trust the staff's evaluation of players? I don't know. It's, but it's tough. Like I, I don't know if you can tell somebody's true colors until they start in significant moments. We thought we had something once we played Minnesota, but that was fool's gold. That ended up being a bad team, and we were, and we are a bad team. But it just is, it's just because you can't be missing these guys. It can't happen every drive where there's a play that's Milton's fault. And yeah. I thought Cade not only threw the ball incredibly fast, he was like 25 for 32 at one point. He also had a ton of uh, He finished 27-35 for 260, four touchdown passes, a rushing TD, and no turnovers. Incredible. That's, That's an like incredible something you debut. do against a Matt team. <laughs> right. And he showed a lot of heart with his running. He showed a lot of grit. You could see when he was getting the plays and he was yelling, like, let's take a shot. Let's go down the field. He wanted to be aggressive. He didn't want to be just, you know, limited to five-yard, you know, rushes. And, the body and language was a lot better this week. They looked like yeah. they would rather be doing anything than playing Wisconsin last week. I yeah. just was impressed. Look, you, you, get, you get in the huddle, you can tell by the guy's demeanor whether they're responding to the quarterback or not. And I was incredibly – I was very impressed with Cade. He came in, he ran the offense, the guys followed him, he showed leadership. He's a youngster, but he played tremendously. I can't believe those are his stats. That's a great debut. I know. Even against Rutgers, like even if you like put that little asterisk, you know, because I don't think Rutgers is very good – but they seem to have more life than they did those Chris Ash teams that would lose sixty to nothing to Ohio State, seventy eight to nothing one year to Michigan. Yeah. That three and nine Michigan State 49 team would be forty nine nothing. Or like Chris Ass. This <laughs> reminded me of when Henson came into a game, I can't remember, and Brady got taken out and Henson came in and won the game. And it's the same type of thing where you had the inverse of that too. That, those years were crazy. Where Henson, that's true. Brady. Like yeah. against Bama, if we hadn't played Henson so long, if Brady played the whole game, we probably would have won that game. But there was another they did one. Beat Alabama, or did they play them twice in a short amount of time? Because they beat them in the Orange Bowl. Yeah, right. I thought there was a game that they played. Actually, it was against I, Michigan State when Saban was there. 
that Henson had started, but then Brady came in and made it really close and almost won. But yeah. if you play the Michigan whole game, Michigan couldn't get any rush against State's uh, front seven. Well, it's kind of crazy. Kind of crazy how I can like vividly remember that game from 21 years ago. Yeah, those ones. The ones Joe that watched hurt. that one in diapers. <laughs> <laughs> I watched that one in his East Lansing at the stadium. Yeah, it was brutal. Uh, obviously, it's hard to get some Michigan State mixed in, but I'm going to try, even though they didn't play this week. Um, I got some concerns about how they're going to score on the Northwestern defense. I, I just don't know how it's going to happen if you didn't score on Indiana, which Indiana's got a very good and capable defense. Um, so it's they're capable, I think. Did Milton score 21 against them? Indiana. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Indiana yeah. almost. Uh, they're, they're not bad, though. I mean, Ohio State scored a lot against them, but that's fields, you know. Right. Um, they, they made it a game, though. I think Indiana's the second best team in the Big Ten. Oh, yeah. Well, does it's Wisconsin tough. have COVID or not? Well, still, Northwestern beat Wisconsin pretty solidly. I mean, 17-7, to 7, it's a board, yeah. it's a snooze fest, which I think is what Northwestern kind of, they have uh, Wisconsin's number a little bit. Because then they yeah. beat them last year. Maybe it was two they years. They beat them two years ago. Uh, they, they barely won any games last year. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give it up to them. I know it's a COVID year, but I think Fitz is doing one heck of a job uh, getting them on the rebound. I don't like, I like, I, know it's, it's I love his defense. Yeah, yeah, well, that too. But I like Northwestern's defense. Yeah. It's their offense and their ceiling. Point. He's 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 worse than Harbaugh. He wants a he wants a bow Woody type offense, right. and I think that only gets you so far. So that that almost gives me like a little bit of hope that if Michigan State has been like prepping for Northwestern for two weeks, that they can come out and pull an upset just based on the the offensive style of uh, Pat Fitzgerald. But I just don't see it happening. Um, I- I, I, I just don't know what what's gonna happen. That defense Michigan against Michigan State's offense. Yeah, Michigan State's hard. defense, I think, will hold their own. But it might be you may might do like seven nothing going into the fourth quarter, and then like the dam just. That, that's what I was gonna say. Fourteen nothing. <laughs> yep. Well, I think Northwestern won't score a lot. They'll just like grind it out, like handoff. Exactly. It'll be like a baseball, like radio. I mean, I'm ball. gonna try not to get too intense, intensely into the game because Michigan State basketball is gonna be tipping off shortly against Notre Dame after that game ends and that's what i really want to be all in on um so yeah i'm but i'm not panicking on tucker i'll get into more of that later um, what would you have thought what, what do you think would have happened if they played the maryland i think maryland probably would have won just better based quarterback on better quarterback play just I, I do think travel matters for something a little bit and again uh, you know loxley is in his second year uh, and, he, and he had some interim years at Maryland before that. He's, he's had more time to put on his system. Came from Alabama. I think Michigan State could have actually put up some points. Uh, I think I predicted the game to be like 24-21 or something like that. Um, but, you know, it, I think all reps are good reps. Some people some people say it might be better not to be on the field getting embarrassed again, and you can still, like, every week that you move further from that win in Ann Arbor is a bad week on the recruiting trail. Uh, but I, I just think every rep you get – in game action is just irreplaceable at this point. You know we rag on Northwestern, but I'm looking up the exact score. They played Maryland in Week One and 40, won 43. 43. Yeah, well, yeah, you remember the, <laughs> you remember that exact score. That's I just why, that's why I thought ball. Maryland was so was so bad. It well, was like oh, 43. Two was a little brother. That was his first start, if I recall correctly. Yeah. So he's totally, every totally, week yeah. he's getting better. That's another reason you want to play. Imagine if Michigan and the Rutgers game was canceled, we wouldn't know what Kate is. That's a or, good point. 
Um, so does any anything change in your regards, like to your attitude towards Harba on your outlook, or like the remaining yes. five games? Yes, completely. Really, I went I'm from I went from let him go now, find his, his replacement immediately, to throw out this season, give him a clean twenty twenty one. We'll That's reassess at the end is. of that season. Yeah. That's going to eventually matter with recruiting. I think that I think we'll see. I think we'll see a strong finish to this season and, and a good year next year. And then I think we'll be back on track. I resent him more for not starting Kate from the start. That was going to be my point. He's like, so good. Why, why does it take Harbaugh so long to go like to a different quarterback? Because he it's was a quarterback that, and he sticks with his guy. Every year. That's it what takes it them is. half the season to realize what they have with the offense. Yeah. Even year one with Rudock last year, they, they weren't clicking. They were awful in September. Every year. It's true, and we've had a bad quarterback under center for six seasons straight. And Harbaugh is a guy that's supposed to bring in an Andrew Luck. Shea tore up that Indiana defense. I mean, I don't even think it was all on him. I think he was too short to see some of his receivers downfield. But what? what, He was puny back there. (laughs) They've never had an elite offense. They've had semi-good. They had some years of some really good defense, and they. I think the year that we had O'Corn, we had a great offense, but it was John O'Corn, and that's why. I mean, we beat Ohio. We would have. We would have beaten Ohio State that year with it. With a decent. He hasn't produced an NFL running back either, like one that was drafted. I know. um, What's his name? Uh, Davion Smith played a little little bit. He had a cup of coffee in the league. Davion Smith, I give nothing but um, credit to because he did not have necessarily an NFL skill set. Yeah. But and actually that's who I I'm wanting to get to Haskins too. That's who he reminds me of. There's no quit in either one of those guys. I like I love a running back room. I like Charbonnet too and I like Evans and I like Corum. I like that they the kinda seem to have a guy now that just like Cade seems to have separated himself and made it obvious he's the starting quarterback. I like that Haskins seems to have asserted himself as the main running back. Yeah, I mean, he dragged, like, five guys into the end zone. That His cutbacks were amazing. So, I, I think Michigan's going to win the next two games and be at 4-3. Uh, and three. But I still think there should be pressure I'm, on Harbaugh for the 1-3 and three start. Pressure? There should be more than that. Yeah, at, at least, I, in my opinion. I think he needs to be gone. I, I, I That would make my – if as long as they don't make a crappy hire, that would make my year. Uh, I That's the thing, too. I could see them – See, let me do. I can see them just as easily being five and four as two and seven at the end of the year, and that's the problem. If they go five and four, and that gives the people that matter, boosters, administration, uh, confidence in him, the fact that they could have just could have just as easily gone two and seven is a problem. Uh, I think Penn State's better than the record. Looking at them a little bit, I think they're going to get Michigan game. And then they have Maryland after that, Ohio Maryland, State, and then whoever they. Match, match up, up with. with, yeah. I mean, unless they just do a one eighty, like, just destroy Maryland and Penn State, win against Ohio State in a fashion that doesn't look flukish. Yeah. Like I, that's the only way. And even then, I will still feel like that's like a three game fluke. It will feel a little bit like uh, the two thousand sixteen Franklin Penn State team or. Uh, that USC coach, team. USC coach that was on the hot seat. Even Sarkeesian. Yeah, even yeah. that Brady Hope team, That a lot of that was just like Brady Hope going for it on fourth down, 
the team buying in. That was just good vibes, yeah. good momentum. That would be more than the defense not being good. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about how last year Penn State was the time when our the game when our offense broke out. It was like halftime of the Penn State. Exactly. Game. That's the, that was the turning point. So this might be moving day for Michigan this week. Maybe we put a hurry. Well, where on does Penn that State. put them next year? Are they going to get off to the slow start again? Not with Cade under center. This episode of the Paul Bunyan podcast is sponsored by Farbar. Uh, special Black Friday deals going on this week on Friday. Any order over $50 receives a free t-shirt. So make sure you go to far-ebar.com for your Farbar products. It's very important to support small businesses, especially on Black Friday. Again, that's far-ebar.com. I just, I don't feel like Harbaugh is completely letting go of the offense. For him to be a good coach here, he will have to be like Coach O at LSU. And uh, he, they lost both of their elite uh, coordinators. coordinators, one yeah. to Baylor and one to... I think the NFL. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was a, Joe Brady, wasn't it? Joe Brady. With and Carolina. Then, was it Dave Aranda was, was yep. there? Yep, who was, was also really good at Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, they had a big budget, and um, they're going through some things now that they changed, and he had a divorce off the field issues, but oh. he he's just a... <laughs> Sorry. It makes me sad. <laughs> He got that new contract, and she went. <laughs> um, um, but he's a big personality. I mean, uh, Coach L, that is. And he's, right. you know, now that he's won the national title, his name's, like, going up more and more. He looks like Fred Flintstone. I mean, Brady Hope, the, the two of them remind me of each other. Players <laughs> like Hope, too. But he kind of, like, keeps his hands off. He's just, like, a manager. You know, he just makes sure everyone's in their department doing things right. And I think that's what Harbaugh needs to do because the game's passed him by. I just I just don't trust him as an offensive mind. And like you said, like their quarterbacks haven't been great. Isn't that what he should be? Yeah, that's exactly why. I mean, that's why we brought him in. The real answer to all of Michigan's problems is to hire one of two guys, either Urban Meyer, because he's just a mercenary anyway. Okay, he already did this for Florida. Fine, he did it for Ohio State. Fine, who cares? Fine, swallow your pride. We bring in Urban Meyer. We get a national title, and everybody forgets that he used to be that he used to beat us up every single season. He's been asked about this. He said no recently on a radio station in Ohio. Never would have wanted him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and the other guy that we should get is uh, John Beeline. He's available. Uh, he's not doing anything. He's close by. Get a clipboard. I remember before D'Antonio was hired, wanting Izzo to be the football coach. <laughs> who was uh, who was his defensive guru for Beeline that went to uh, Texas? Yeah, he could be the defensive coordinator. <laughs> yeah. Look, there would be an adjustment period for him to learn the new sport, but ultimately head coach is more about getting your guys to rally behind the coaches that are in place. He doesn't have to fully understand the X's nose. Uh, does, like, Tusky and Jordan Morgan, do they have eligibility? They're going to be well, on the sideline. They side could be on the least. offensive line. Or Mitch maybe McGarry. a fullback. Yeah. Not doing anything. yeah. I just want I want to fill he our sidelines with Charles doctor. Woodson and Tom Brady, former players, Desmond Howard. I just want that energy in the big house whenever kind we play. Kind of like what Mascots. John Howard has going on in, in the basketball program with former players, a lot of them coming back and being embraced. Yeah. Um, um, I, 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 line uh, actually, he was the one that started that. He brought the Fat Five, well, minus Weber, back yeah. um, uh, Tom Allen is Indiana's uh, coach, doing well there. Um, Nick Sheridan's his OC and his running backs coach is right. Mike Hart. Yeah. 
I just don't know how Little good brother. He, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how good he would be without Michael Penix as his quarterback, and I don't think he's transferring, so. Yeah. Um, I would have to agree with Mike's take. I, I think Michigan's issues go beyond just getting rid of a defensive coordinator because I, I think we do still see Harbaugh's fingerprints heavily all over the offense, and it, it, it's got to be frustrating. What for makes it? Like say, what makes you guys say that though? Just the the Gaddis doesn't have. Like, you're saying that he doesn't have ball. that he has like, a, a. It changes from game to game. Uh, this was the return of the screens, the bubble screens that worked so well against Minnesota. Yeah, the misdirection. Yeah, that, that wasn't there when they were losing. But Why? how? Do, but what? What evidence do we have that it hasn't been Gaddis the whole time? I mean, just the erraticness of it. The fact that uh, Harbaugh always had like an offensive uh, scheme by committee. So why would he drop that? I mean, I know he says he did, but that's also fan pressure. I um, think Gaddis has got full, full confidence from from Harbaugh. I think it's all. I think he's. Why do you think the play calling so up and down? And it's not even about good and bad. It's just like inconsistent. I just think it sees. I think they take into account a little bit too much the quarterback's limitations, and so they try to prepare something that's going to be, you know, easy for them after a few drives have gone poorly, and then we just break, you know, bring the playbook down to a very concise version, and it's not always effective. But I think that. Gaddis has his own vision, and I think that he is acting on it. I can't support all the play calls. I don't love all of them, obviously, but the speed and space thing is still kind of coming around. We haven't started firing on all cylinders the way we did this I second half of last a season. Fourth and one, or fourth and goal from the one yard line, and then line up and shotgun. Right. <laughs> like, but, but but that doesn't mean that Harbaugh made that. Well, that was stupid. It doesn't mean it was Harbaugh. Sure, but. I mean, I'm I'm not totally convinced that Gaddis is good either. It's just we don't know yet. Last year, I mean, it was the same last year. They were erratic with the play calling all yeah. over the place from game to game. I mean, like I said, I mean, if that worked so well for Milton against Minnesota, why did they go away from it until they brought Caden? I don't know. He did it well, like against Minnesota. It's almost like that's like the training wheels offense, and they just want to like use that to ease a quarterback in, and then like take him off. That's I just my guess. I, I can't think of anything. You could say all the other defenses they've played since Minnesota have been better, but it's the play calling, so that still doesn't jive with me. Like, why not try it against better defenses? And like I said, it's not just a this year thing. It goes back to last year. The play calling also changed last year as the offense got better. Right. And, I mean, I understand it's a pride thing. Harbaugh's a former player. He's grown up with football his whole life, but that doesn't mean the game hasn't passed him by. I mean, at least it's been gradual. Like, Don Brown. <laughs> Happened pretty quickly. Yeah, and that sunset really fast. Like those. Lake Michigan sunsets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Don Brown's defense is great when you got LaVert Hill and David Long on both sides. You know, no, it's still got, not great. That's I mean, it was, it was pretty good. What was it, 2018 that they had Hill and Long and Devin Bush? I thought I wrote it yeah, down. Ohio State carved us up this season. Yeah, but Ohio State, yeah. In his first two years against Ohio State, they did well. Um, I had numbers in front. I, I read something. I didn't. I must not have written it down. But, like, you go by, like, yards per game. He's like been in the top ten every year up till this year, uh, points per game and times he was like two in the top five. Oh, I know we had oh, those good seasons, yeah. but we'd usually fall off and lose the there last was, four or five. There, yeah, one later on, his second half of his tenure, not showing up for big games. 
Penn State at least once off the top of my head. It might have been no. And then uh, Ohio State twice. There's been bowl games. And then two, I never liked Don Brown's defenses in the red zone. Maybe the first year. Because it just seemed like once a team got inside the 20, they were going to score a touchdown. And yeah. then it seemed like Michigan held. It does feel like that. Yeah. And, and they have good players this year, too. Unfortunately, you know, Hutchinson and Hay being out. And yeah, those are enormous injuries. We have a ton of starters out. We lost another one this game. Yeah, yep. but Michigan State still put up 27 on a defense when they had Cody Pay and Aiden Hutchinson. And their offense has done absolutely nothing since. Oh, Michigan State's? Yeah. 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 Like, and that's probably talking about Michigan State's offense as much as Michigan's defense. But They had one sack going into the Rutgers game. And, uh, you know, there was that year that Michigan finished, what, 23rd in recruiting? All those players now are starters. Yeah. And that's on the coach. That was the season, yeah. Dwarmfor yeah. had a day against us. Yeah. I was nervous going into the fourth quarter. He had, he raised uh, four fingers. Yeah. And I was like, oh, boy, here we go. Aubrey Solomon <laughs> isn't. Little did he know that was only the halftime of the game, really. Let me say <laughs> a little bit. Let me say a little, little bit. <laughs> Aubrey about... Solomon's solid at Tennessee, too. Not as good as Dwarmfor, but he started at Michigan. He's good. He, yeah. we, I wish we had him. College football Overtime. Now, stupid. It's it's whether, probably, whether Michigan wins or loses, it's still stupid and you can't change my opinion. It's more fair, I think, than than the NFL, but I love how the NFL does it. I think they got it right. Once they took away that you can't win a field goal to win. Right. First time touchdown, fine. It ends the game quickly. The problem that you have with overtime in college football is that it lends itself to the tie every period. So what happens is the team that goes second knows what they have to do. There, right. It's just it's highly likely that you're going to repeat exactly what the other team just did. If they score a field goal, then you don't go for it on fourth down. You score. If they get the touchdown, you know that you can't. So now you're playing with four down. So it lends itself to the same thing. The only time yeah. that it changes is when you have to go for two. I think that starts in the third overtime. That's usually when it can end. But going three, four, five, I think, is probably much more likely than one or two. And that's why it makes it absurd because you have a 20 to 20 regulation football game and it ends 48 to 40. Right. That's ridiculous. Right. You drop up numbers a bit. Yeah. That, you talk about that strategy, you know, like Mich- Quentin Nordeen missed his third field goal of the game. Quentin Nordeen sucks. In first overtime. He's my he least favorite Rutgers, Wolverine. Rutgers he needs plays to, for the field goal and they miss it. They, like, he needs to miss three every game because he missed three against Minnesota, Michigan won. He missed three against Rutgers, Michigan won. He made some in the other games, Michigan lost. Exactly. And his, his jersey number, too. My, I love how he yelled at a player. Is that uh, do your effing job? Yeah, right? it's like, do yours. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're a kicker. Oh, I saw that as they were walking off the field. I could tell you was I would have told him. I, 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 knew, I could tell exactly what he said there. I'm, like, I'm going to spend the night at your about. house, but I won't be sleeping in your room. I'll be sleeping in your mom's. <laughs> I would not have let that slide. Quinn Nordine is now getting a place on my Mount Rushmore of Wolverines that I hate. Ooh. Right next to the fresh... Ugly face of John O'Corn. <laughs> are there any others on that? Those are the only two. Oh, okay. And I just realized now that Nordine belongs on that in in that carving because he he came in. We we're so excited. We're like we're now we we'll never have any field goal problems again. He was the top recruit. Oh, I didn't think that. Okay, we we, we, so we brought excited. him in here to, to kick fifty yarders. He can't do anything consistently. He always folds under pressure, and he's an asshole. 
He's the guy at the party, like those parties that you can't have now because of COVID, where everyone's packed in. You slightly bump him, he might get like a little drink on his thumb, and then he wants to fight you. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Oh, what, what time are we? He sat. He sat there in the press conferences with his stupid spiked hair, drinking water, and act like he was the quarterback. He acted like. Everyone was there to see him. Like, he's the, the new. People might have thought he was because Spate was the starting quarterback at the time. He wore number three, too. I think there were, like, five players wearing number three on well, Spate, that. all those guys, they were just, like, so, like, indifferent in all their responses. I Quinn Ordine, like, bagging my groceries. And nothing against people who do that for a living. But it's funny because he thinks he's, like, a supermodel or a quarterback, like you said. We should try to have him on the show. Do your job. <laughs> I think he said do your job after the snap didn't, the snap didn't come back. Yeah. It was a bad snap. It took an extra hold. So Quinn started his motion, and then like a step into it stopped, and then still completed the kick. But the thing is, it was still far enough. It wasn't even the problem. He missed by the le- by the width of a full f- like the entire field goal. You move it over, you still miss that kick. It and was he that the bad. First kick horribly too. So that was right. the second missed kick of the game. You got to know he you is abs- you're the kicker, bro. You can't. It's um, the worst. Yeah. Michigan State, I'm, I'm still not panicking on, on Tucker and staff. That includes play calling for the most part. There's got to be a little bit of an asterisk there um, because we just don't know how much of the playbook they're playing with right now. I would hope as the season progresses, it just gets better and better, uh, but that just hasn't been the case so far. Um, I really like what they've done on the recruiting trail, if I can just kind of like diverge for a second. Um, I, I think it's obvious what they're prioritizing. I think they're going for size. They're recruiting heavy in each position, which I think breeds competition. Uh, recruiting heavy in areas that are important to MSU success historically, obviously the state of Michigan and Ohio, but also Georgia. They've been going back to Georgia. It's been very fertile. Georgia? Exactly. But they've also been <laughs> reaching into New Jersey and Texas and Florida. I'm a big fan of that. And, you know, just with all the COVID restrictions in place, too, you know, they've They've had a rough time recruiting so far, and I think having some on-field product to show has helped them. But I just look at their top five or six recruits, like Rayshon Benny out of Oak Park, a defensive tackle, A.J. Kirk, a safety from Ohio, uh, running back Audric Esteem, and uh, offensive guard Geno Vandemark, teammates in New Jersey, and quarterback Hamp Faye from Texas. Like You look at the areas that all of the, those guys are from, and you look at the positions, I think it's clear they know what's not working right now, and they know what they need to emphasize. Uh, I heard somebody on Twitter, I wish I remembered who it was, because uh, they had a great quote. Zach Sawyer. It was probably Zach Sawyer, or Horny <laughs> Lions fan. Um, but they, they said they went to the Capital One Bowl in back in 2010 when Michigan State played Alabama, and they felt pretty good because Michigan State was coming off a Big Ten championship game, a uh, Big Ten championship win, 11-1 season. But Alabama got off the bus, like, they were there to see it happen, and they just saw the size of, like, the Mark Ingrams, the Julio Jones, and those, those were, like, the, the offensive players, and they just shook. And I think, <laughs> and they said, with the size of each recruit that Mel Tucker is getting, he, it looks like he's kind of going for that attitude as well. Um, so I'm, not, I'm really far from giving up. I think the roster that he was handed, like, I, I, I keep going back to this, Michigan State was not good last year. And they lost just a litany of talent and experience from that team. Like, this is not Mel Tucker's roster. I'm, I'm really not panicking. I would like to be a little bit more excited to, for games this year, but I, I, I just got to play the card you've been dealt. Will Michigan State beat Penn State? What if Michigan State beat Penn State? No, will they? Will they? <laughs> um, will no. James Franklin tweet, 
Michigan State, Michigan State, Michigan. 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 Do you know that, that gimmick? I don't know if you're on Twitter, Chris. He only does that after he loses a game. I've been on there. I usually get into trouble. I keep cheering for Penn State to win a game before then because I don't want them to come into that game winless. But I, I, I think at that point they give up. and I think, they, I, mean, I think they've kind of given up now. Yeah, I think Michigan beats Penn State and then Penn State beats the crap out of Michigan State. I but think there's a game in between. I don't know who Penn State's playing. Michigan State's playing Ohio State in between, right? No, that's still our last. So we, no, Michigan State. Oh, okay. The week before Ohio State plays Michigan, okay. Penn, Penn State has at Michigan, at Rutgers, then home against State, and then uh, Michigan State's got Northwestern, oh, Ohio State, at Penn State. I got a great question. Okay. Penn State, do they want a basketball game, football game, or hockey team game first? Because their basketball and hockey teams are going to be terrible, too. Hockey's pretty fluky, so I'm going to go hockey. basketball team's going to be pretty bad. Yeah. yeah, they lost a lot of people. Patrick Chambers, is that? But I think they, yeah. Maria I think they Jones. tip against, like, Northeastern Illinois State Tech or something. But they play Michigan, too. Right. So. I, I could see the basketball team winning their first game or two. Um, That's kind of weird because actually all three programs have had a good five-year run. Yeah, been really solid. I think James Franklin is somebody who needs to be on the hot seat. You take away that good year in 2016, you know, they followed it up with a pretty decent year in 2017, but they – they choked away a game at Ohio State, choked away a game at Michigan State, and those were their only two losses. And I think they fell solely on coaching, not talent. And aside from those two years, you know, they've been good. They've been great. They've lost a, a few games they shouldn't have. Similar record to Harbaugh, except he kind of started off a little bit more shaky that 2014. Right, and then, and then he got that, that championship and Rose Bowl season mm-hmm. in 2016. And, um, you know, the last time I kind of felt like Michigan – and Penn State had a meaningless game. It was in 2014. James guys. Franklin was here for that, too. He so he's kind of come full circle. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my, my expectations are still big for Mel Tucker. Like, I've seen Michigan State get to the promised land. There's no reason why they can't get back there. That's I don't, my expectations. Yeah. Like, I don't like all this. Uh, I don't like Mel Tucker gaining steam. I didn't want him to get a foothold in Michigan. I didn't want him to win his first game against us. And now I think what we'll have is a, a worthy adversary in, Ohio, in Michigan State for the next few years. I fear Mel Tucker. Uh, my expectations, obviously my hopes and dreams are to get there very quickly, but my expectations is that they build it slowly. Mark D'Antonio didn't come in and set the world on fire. They won seven games. They won nine games a couple years later. They went on a five-year run that Michigan State had never seen before. And I know it can be done here in East Lansing. We're not in East Lansing. We're in Ypsilanti right now. But, you know, I know it can be done at Michigan State. There's no reason why Mel Tucker can't do what Mark D'Antonio did. So those are my expectations. By year six, I want to be in a position to be in Indy again. I want to have been to Indy at least once. Uh, More on the football teams, and we'll get into some basketball on the next segment. Basketball season tips this week for both Michigan and Michigan State, the, the known basketball schools in the Big Ten, and we're very excited about this. I am especially pumped. We're recording this on Tuesday nights. So we're a little less than 24 hours away from Michigan State, Eastern Michigan, Michigan opening with Bowling Green, and they'll both play over the weekend. Um, I'm just going to start talking about Michigan State. This team has potential to go far and be high scoring and just be flat out entertaining to watch. Um, 
They're going to open against Eastern Michigan. It's the second straight season the teams that will face each other, which I really like. I like bringing in the local teams to the Breslin Center and occasionally going out to play them too. Uh, Michigan State claimed a 101-48 victory last year. Uh, some, some of the players that are still on the roster, like Marcus Bingham, started and had 10 points and 6 rebounds. Aaron Henry had a really nice game, 12 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists. Uh, Julius Marble and Foster Lawyer came off the bench to provide some scoring. 9 from Marble, 13 from Lawyer, uh, shooting 3 from 4 from deep. I'm predicting something similar for this one. Eastern Michigan still runs a bit of a, a zone, so I, I think Michigan State, with some shooters, can exploit it and uh, potentially get into triple digits. saw that Eastern Michigan went 16-16 and 16 last year. Uh, they had a great home record, very poor record away from there, though. Uh, finished fifth in the MAC uh, since Rob Murphy got there. They've been pretty good. Uh, yeah. He's a solid coach. And then uh, Michigan State's second game is versus Notre Dame. Uh, the team's last faced in December of 2017, an 81-63 victory for the Spartans. Uh, in that game, Josh Lankford had 17 points on 7 of 13 shooting. Notre Dame last year was 20-12, and 12, no real signature wins. A few tough losses to good teams that'll happen in the ACC. 500 um, record in the ACC. Yeah, I think they were one of those teams that was hoping for like a really good conference tournament run to become a, a bubble team. I, I think Michigan State should take care of business against them on Saturday night. I do like their head coach, Mike Bray, um, but he always looks like he just finished a three-day bender. He yeah. always has double. <laughs> and it, it's like the t-shirt under the sport coat look. He always looks like he needs like some deodorant. He looks really <laughs> sweaty and slimy. He's in his twentieth year as head coach in Notre Dame. Notre Dame's last head coach before him was the I'm blanking on his name, but Digger Phelps. He <laughs> that's the guy that took uh, the job at North Carolina and didn't last long. Um, maybe before. so the guy who was like probably between Dean and Roy. Yeah, I didn't know there was anybody between those two. He didn't. He didn't do very well. No. Um, if you want to keep talking about your Spartans real quick, Joe, I'll look up his name. Sure. Yeah, Tom Izzo entering his twenty sixth uh, season as the Michigan State head man. My predicted strengths for this team: I think they're going to be really good at shooting the ball with the likes of Joey Hauser, Gabe Brown, uh, Aaron Henry, and Josh Langford, and a few other people like Willie Hall have the ability to hit from deep. Uh, their depth: I think they're going to be deep and versatile at most positions aside from like uh the, the point guard or maybe the shooting guard um in, like i think they have the ability to have a lot of inside outside scoring lots of players being able to play multiple spots and have a litany of skill sets and uh i think the perimeter defense with rocket watts potentially at the one josh langford at the two and henry at the three uh that's that's going to be scary for opposing teams those are all very good individual defenders who can on any given night become a lockdown defender. Maybe not Watts, because I think he'll probably be running the point guard position, so he'll be putting a lot more effort into offense, but Langford and Henry can probably lock down most teams' wing players. Um, areas, of, areas of concern, there's a lack of sweat equity with each other. Um, you know, just losing a guy like Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman, but also Kyle Ahrens. Like, Tillman and Winston especially, they just made up so many quality minutes like you they were the peanut butter and exactly. jelly of the team the last when, when the game was on the line the last two years you knew you had to have Winston and Tillman out there even if the because Tillman wasn't the starter to begin his sophomore year he he needed Nick Ward to get injured before he could come in and when he came in that's when you saw that team go from being a pretty good to really good team to being 
uh, a memorable team. Matt Doherty was his name, by the way. The guy, I mean, yeah. He had the first year he was really good at North Carolina, and then he kind of flamed out. He was there for three years. Now the Atlantic 10 basketball commissioner. Um, and then I, I think the post-defense without Tillman could be a, a struggle. There were so many skilled big men in the Big Ten that run. Um, losing Xavier Tillman, who was not just great uh, individually, but such a great communicator, making sure everybody defensively was in their spots. Somebody's going to need to take over that role uh, probably down low. Um, and then just gelling without Winston and Tillman. Um, it's, 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 that's, that's probably the big, biggest concern for me is just because the, the communication those two were on, like they were playing on a string. You want, rarely, Watt. yeah, rarely you want Watts and Henry to kind of have that because I think exactly. they're the two best players on this team. I saw someone suggest that at least early on they should have like a two five man uh, united kind of um, like in hockey you have this five man rotation, these yeah. five guys. Like two different lines, and they suggested Watts, Langford, Henry, Hauser, and Bingham, and then go Lawyer, Brown, Hall, Kithier, and Sissoko. Sissoko, yeah. yeah. And uh, apparently, Coach Cal tried that uh, at Kentucky, and it goes so well. But yeah, I'll, I'll say like what that does is like I think you have two units who can go at each other in practice, and um, like it, it covers up a lot of like foul trouble issues. I think like this is a deep team. It's just a matter of getting experience, I think. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see Joey Hauser. He's he's going to be making his debut in the green and white on Wednesday. Uh, much anticipated. Excited to see how Rocket Watts, Aaron Henry, and Gabe Brown adjust to their new roles. Uh, I think Marcus Bingham and Julius Marble will be uh, expected to do more. And uh, they added some impact freshmen, uh, A.J. Hogard and Madi Sissoko. Michigan State had a commitment early on from a four-star point guard named Jalen Terry, who was from Flint, uh, like checked all the ISO uh, boxes that he wants, and they still went hard after A.J. Hogard, who plays a similar position. That speaks to how much Tom Izzo wanted him in East Lansing, because um, it's, it's pretty rare that he would go after two point guards in one class. That was a year that uh, both Michigan and Michigan State basketball lost out on Jalen's. They thought they had. Yeah, Jalen uh, Wilson. Yeah, went ended up going to Kansas, yeah. Uh, but the player I'm most excited to see is Josh Langford. It's been almost two years now, uh, but Josh Langford, he's just hours away at this point from making his return to the starting lineup. When we last saw Langford, he was the Spartans' top scorer, on a team that featured Cassius Winston and Nick Ward. He was one of their top defenders on a team that had Matt McQuaid and Xavier Tillman. It just, it really excites me, uh, the journey that this kid has been on. He's gotta be so mentally tough uh, just to stick with it at this point. Yeah, you just, were bringing up uh, the Notre Dame game in 2017 and he was playing He was, he was on fire that game. <laughs> uh, you, just hope, you just hope and pray for the best for him health-wise to have a good season. Um, but it excites me how he'll fit into his, the team offensively. I think his role will mainly be unchanged from what it was when he was like a sophomore, early junior year. Uh, I think the best thing he can do is provide stability and level-headedness head, level to his backcourt mates, uh, Watts and Henry. Because uh, the last time Langford was playing, Henry wasn't anywhere near the level he's at now or has been since. And uh, I'm just excited about the, the skill set, the depth. Like I said, I think they just need some growing time together, but... That'll come, and uh, I'm very excited to see the possibilities of, of this team. I cannot wait to watch Michigan basketball tip off. I am so excited. Um, I think Franz Wagner, 
along with uh, Isaiah Livers, will be two, not only two of the best players, they'll also be leaders. Uh, Eli Brooks has been there for a while now. Um, he will be split in time with uh, Columbia transfer Mike Smith. Uh, they'll most likely fight for minutes at point guard. Michigan kind of has an interesting roster. Uh, just a little bit about Mike Smith. He uh, was a stud in the Ivy League. Obviously, going against Big Ten talent will be an adjustment. He's 5'11". Uh, don't, you're not going to love him on defense, but he brings uh, more offensive skill than Brooks. Brooks is a great defender, and he can uh, shoot, in us, particularly against small guards. You see him excel. That's why he's up and down so much. Um, also, Shawnee Brown will be fun to watch. Uh, it will be interesting to see him and Franz on the wings together because I think Franz Wagner on offense fits the two better than Brown. But on defense, he'll be playing the three. You'll probably see Brown, who's more of a slasher, uh, playing the small forward position on offense, but you'll probably see him guarding the twos. Yeah. Um, a lot of moving parts with Michigan basketball in the last year. They lost Simpson. They lost Teske. Um, they had um, a transfer uh, with uh, David DeJulius. DeJulius. You know, I feel like I'm forgetting someone, too. Um, number 11, Castleton. Yep, Castleton's gone. I really liked Castleton a lot. Especially was, as a backup. He moved really well for a big man, and he could just kind of get in and out of defensive patterns. He was good defensively. He even played on the floor at the same time as Franz, and they complemented each other really well. I'm, I'm really disappointed. I, I kind of equated Castleton to Thomas Kithier from Michigan State. Like I, I thought they were very similar players. As much as Austin Davis kind of had a, some of a breakout year, I think Castleton brought things that Davis didn't, doesn't. But, I mean, by the end of the year, Davis was playing better than him and beating him out. Uh, Davis, you know, can score. He's that. I mean, he um, Michigan fans probably – winced when they saw him come out <laughs> on the floor and it went to okay he can kind of offensively rebound um and he can score and he has some post moves on the defensive side though like teams go right at davis um i think you'll see brandon johns play the five quite a bit yeah and then they also have hunter dickinson who will probably play more near the end of the year than he will at the beginning of the year he is a tall guy he uh recently scored 17 points in the Michigan scrimmage against each other. He can hit the three. Um, he was a four-star. Uh, I wanted to bring up his stats. Yep, four-star, 42nd best player in his class. Um, I think by the end of the year, you might see Davis a lot less and him more. Um, and I think Brandon Johns will be playing the five a lot. Beeline tried Brandon Johns briefly at the five. It didn't go well. Howard put him there a little bit last year and it went much better. I just don't see Howard starting Johns at the five. I think he wants the true center out there, which is somewhat disappointing because I think the best five guys would be Brooks at the one, uh, Brown and uh, Wagner at the two and the three, Livers at the four, Johns at the five. I think those are your five best players. Yeah, I think it's a lot to ask for Eli Brooks. It seems like every time he came in our B-line, he did the wrong thing and got found the bench again really, really quickly. So I don't know that I have a ton of confidence in him. Kind of had a bounce back here last year, though. Austin Davis, too. I, I think Dickinson will start playing a lot quicker. I, I just don't know that Davis is going to be – I think he's a nice backup five, mm -hmm. but I don't think he's good for a starter. 
We have some freshmen that I don't know a lot about. Jace Howard, um, Terrence Williams, and Zeb Jackson, as well, in, in addition to Dickinson, are, are all uh, fresh blood. We're all really, as Michigan fans, looking forward most to 2021. So, yeah. you know, that's when we get to see, like... Terrence Williams and Zeb Jackson are both very good uh, gets for Michigan. Yes. I think they'll be there for... Uh, at least three years. Zeb, Zeb, I mean, Michigan lost out on a couple people and they still finished with the 15th best class last year. Uh, Terrence Williams is a power forward, a little undersized there. He's six foot six, uh, four star. Uh, I wonder if he'll end up playing the three a bit more just because of his size, but he's a good player. He's a baller. I think after Dickinson, Zeb Jackson's the next best uh, option to play. Uh, he's a six foot five guy out of Toledo, very tall for his size. Uh, he's a point guard, 88th best player in the class. Uh, Michigan has a lot of good talent coming in, and that's one of the reasons you saw Castleton leave, is he could see the writing on the wall. Hmm. And uh, these guys, this class, when you look next year and you have a lot of talent, but they're freshmen, these guys I think will help mold those guys. And if John sticks around, which I hope I don't see any reasons why he won it, I really look forward to seeing what Brandon John says as a senior with, those, with that young talent. And I actually think Michigan's going to be pretty good this year, too. I actually have them as my fifth-best team in the Big Ten. Yeah, and for Michigan State, I just can't talk about the depth enough. Like, you know, I, I kind of went through the roster and, like, players that excite me. I didn't even get to bring it up players like Malik Hall, who uh, towards the end of his freshman season was coming on and just showing out against Penn State and uh, had a really good early showing against uh, Seton Hall. Um, and a guy like Thomas Kithier, like, He's not gonna like stuff the stat sheet, but his his intricate his intricacies, I think, uh, just he knows where to be on the court. Um, so Especially coming off so the bench. Different, yeah, there's so many different combinations that Michigan State could go to. Marcus Bingham uh, is another option. I, I think the only two the only players that are like really set in their roles are probably Joey Hauser at the four and Josh Langford at the two. Everybody else is kind of like multi positional, can do a lot of different things. I usually you see coaches go to an eight-man rotation. Which eight do you see? Okay, so this is my prediction. I'm obviously not like an inside guy or anything like that, as much as that would be awesome. Uh, I predict Rocket Watson. Izzo asked you and you declined. You said you had the Paul Bunyan podcast. Exactly. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've seen how he treats his coworkers. <laughs> I don't want to be yelled at. Uh, there's the one assistant for him that he better uh, watch the way he talks to because that guy looks like a freaking bouncer. <laughs> Dwayne Stevens. Yeah, during the summer, I think he actually works for WWE. <laughs> um, if I had to place money, I would say the starting lineup when Michigan State takes the floor against Eastern Michigan is going to be Rocket Watts at the point, Josh Langford at the two-guard spot, Aaron Henry at the three, Hauser at the four, and then the five is where I just go back and forth. I could see it being Julius Marble or Marcus Bingham. Uh, maybe they start the mountain. I uh, thought Bingham. Mati Sissoko. I think it's going to be Marcus Bingham. Uh, it looks like he's added a lot of weight because uh, he came in as a 6'11", like 100-pound freshman, basically looked like Gumby. Uh, put on a little <laughs> bit more weight uh, going into his sophomore year. Like, and he, Now I, I see pictures of him, and he, he looks like he's added some muscle. Starts to look more like a Jaron Jackson type frame, which is his skill set is very similar to what Jaron Jackson Jr. provided. Uh, he just had not nearly the the man body that Jaron Jackson Jr. had. Uh, so I, I think that would be my five. It sounds like they're they're grooming Gabe Brown to be the first guy off the bench, which I like because he could come in and replace 
Langford, he could come in and take Henry's spot. He could come in and take the four spot if they want to go that way. Uh, so Gabe Brown definitely coming off the bench. Um, the other guy I mentioned at the five spot, Julius Marble, early on, will be uh, coming in at some point. And uh, I think Foster Lawyer, the guy who just won't go away, um, they really like what they've seen out of him this summer. The teammates actually named him a captain of the team. Uh, he still has one of the better shots in, in basketball and on the team. So um, that leaves that would be my Malik guy. Hall and Thomas Kithier as the odd men out. Yeah, and Mati Sissoko and A.J. Hogarth. Like, yeah. It's, it's tough because, um, you know, you get a combined total of 200 minutes a game, you know, 40 minutes a game, five spots. It's going to be on Tom Izzo and the coaching staff to divvy that up fairly, and it's going to be on the players to show who's worthy of those spots. I think what the team needs is a top dog, like they had the last couple of years in, in Cassius Winston. Uh, and I think it comes down to either being Rocket Watts or Joey Hauser. One of them is going to have to be the top dog. It'll be hard. Uh, I mean, with the state having so much depth, it'll be hard to match fresh body for fresh body. I would agree with you, though. I might even put um, uh, over Hauser. Like, I know he's going to be really good, but uh, Aaron Henry, I might actually have. Yeah. Him and Watts. Henry's game, I think, is he needs to be aggressive defensively and going after rebounds. And then I think he's most comfortable being a third or fourth option offensively. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to have, like, the third or fourth most points. He might end up finishing, like, top two in scoring. With the efficiency? Yeah. Uh, But just in terms of, like, because the ball travels a lot in Izzo's offensive system, I think mainly the shots are going to, I think, first the ball is going to be going to Watts then Hauser, and if one of those two can't score, then it delegates to either Langford or Brown, and then it'll go to Henry. And I think that's what Henry's most comfortable with. I want to talk a little bit more about Franz Wagner. Um, He's probably Michigan's best returner, if not him, Livers. Uh, He will probably be, uh, you know, as far as the team goes, will probably be as far as uh, Wagner and Livers go. And they both had shortened seasons last year. Franz Wagner, the farther away from his wrist injury he got, the better player he became, and his shot was coming on. Um, He'll probably be playing shooting guard on offense and uh, small forward on defense, like I said. It will complement his size. Um, He's uh, apparently now 6'10", which, you know, he keeps growing. Uh, Mo Wagner, his older brother, uh, started off as a wing slash shooting guard, and he became, once he grew to 6'10", he had to learn how to become a Forward. Yeah, center, yeah. Um, yeah, but Franz is in his mediasm. He doesn't have the girth, if you will. Uh, but uh, also Livers, I said, you know, he suffered two injuries last year. Um, and it kind of seemed like uh, Michigan was coming on a little bit. They were a real streaky team last year, if you remember. They uh, beat Gonzaga and North Carolina in November. And they had their points where they struggled a little bit, and they beat they'd surprisingly beat a good team and then they'd lose one to like Indiana or Minnesota, which they shouldn't yeah. have. Um, and then you also, but yeah, I'd see Livers is interesting too, because he can definitely play the three or four, but he almost, you can almost come in at the five too. He's yeah. a big guy. Um, and then Brown is the transfer from Wake Forest. His offensive game is more like a small forward. But like I said, on defense, I see him guarding two guards at Wake Forest. He averaged 12.1 points, six and a half rebounds, uh, shot 46%. So, I mean, he, he I, I kind of see those as the three main guys. It's just, um, 
do you put them all in at two, three, and four as your wings and your power forward? Because Michigan kind of somewhat has a deep roster, but at some points they're putting like square pegs in the round holes. Yeah. Um, if, if there's uh, no more we want to talk about on our teams, um, do you guys have a prediction for like who the best team in the Big Ten is going to be? Um, Illinois. That was going to be mine. And then Wisconsin's my. I'll, I'll just. I, there's six teams I think will make the tournament from the Big Ten for sure, maybe more. Okay. Uh, and I'll just do them. I have number six, Rutgers, number five, Michigan, number four, Michigan State, number three, Iowa, number two, Wisconsin, number one, Illinois. Yeah, Illinois returning Dasunmu and, and Coburn and then adding uh, the shooting guard, Adam Miller. That's, that's going to be pretty scary. Um, I, I think Iowa obviously adding... Uh, bringing most everybody back, like Luca Garza and uh, Joe Wieskamp, and then bringing back uh, the Bohannon kid, they just still don't, they're they're just not reliable defensively or like effort wise. Like they I could, they could have a, a they could have like a bad start and just they just don't seem like a mentally strong team to me. I saw them in Michigan get into a shootout at Chrysler, and at times I think Michigan had like a sixteen point lead, and it's just like whenever Iowa didn't score. They couldn't stop Michigan. Now, Mich- yeah. now later on, Iowa got Michigan back uh, in Iowa, but uh, I think Michigan was actually even missing some players for that game. But I think, uh, go ahead. I, I just think they're not as good as Wisconsin and Illinois. Yeah, I think Illinois is my top. I think Michigan, Michigan State are uh, the second and third best teams this year. I think that Iowa is good. Iowa, you know, Garza probably the best scorer in the Big Ten. Iowa always seems to play a fast brand of basketball, but they never have a good enough defense. It always stinks, exactly. and so it just doesn't it doesn't work. And uh, he's, Garza gets his points, but the game ends up turning into somewhat of a shootout, and they frequently lose those. So I'll put Iowa as the fourth best team, and um, it wouldn't surprise me if Michigan, Michigan State. You know, if who wins those games kind of determines who, who gets the Big Ten title as far as the season goes. And I expect both of them to go far in the Big Ten tourney, too. It'd probably be like, you know, Michigan State a two, Michigan a three, and the tournament maybe a four, somewhere around there. Yeah. I think Ohio State has a chance to be really good despite a lot of roster turnover. Uh, another knock on Iowa, not, that I, not to, like, keep knocking on them, even though I do, I do not like <laughs> Iowa basketball. Um, Fran McCaffrey's teams, like, since he's been there, They've gotten off to good starts normally and looked like a very promising team. But then, like, March 1st rolls around, or not even March 1st, like February 15th rolls around, and you just see this steep drop, and they're just dropping games that you're like, you have no business losing this game. What are you doing? And like, it's, it's like clockwork. Every year we see it. Just uh, put a bullet point on my last point with them. They scored 91 and 90 against Michigan. Both games. And Michigan was a pretty good defensive team last year. Yeah. Um, the first game, Michigan was fully healthy, beat them 103-91. It was in Chrysler. The second game, Michigan's missing livers. Iowa scores about the same amount of points, but Michigan scores less, loses 90-83. to Exactly. I mean, so I, I just don't see them. I just see Illinois and Wisconsin being more complete teams. And I think once Iowa goes up, to a, goes up against a team that kind of does everything very well, they'll just falter. Um, I still think Michigan State and Michigan are a player away from being truly elite. That's why I still put Iowa above them. Yeah. I And I also, when Michigan plays, like, Illinois, um, and they have to go against Kofi Coburn, like, 
You have Hunter Dickinson, who's a freshman, who might be a year away. You have Austin Davis, who's one-dimensional. And then um, you have Brandon Johns or Livers, who aren't true centers. So, like, that's why I still, like, have a team like an Illinois. And And then Wisconsin, you know, they're like clockwork. They're always pretty good. Coburn did pretty well against Teske last year, too. And Teske was a really good post defender, I always thought. Yes, he Um, was, even when he kind of had an off year last year. And then uh, another Illinois player I didn't even mention uh, is Georgie Bashanishvili, who was starting at the center spot as a freshman, but then moved to the four when uh, Coburn came in. Um, So I I do think Illinois is going to be the top team. Uh, I still Can you repeat that player's name? Uh, Georgie Bashanishvili. <laughs> Say that <laughs> three really times like fast. <laughs> um, I still think Michigan State is right there for the title just because they have been the last – they won the last three Big Ten championships. Like, I've, I'm just going to keep going with them until they, they don't, you know, knock on wood. Um, but, yeah, I, I think there are some teams like Michigan, Rutgers, and Ohio State that uh, I think are a few variables away from being, like, really good or, like, if a few bad breaks happen, could be – Disappointing, but I think those three teams are all are all tournament teams as well. Illinois is going to be playing Duke, so we'll get a yeah. good idea. I mean, both of our teams were supposed to play Duke until they had to reschedule. Yeah. Real quick, I guess I didn't talk about Michigan's upcoming games. Um, their only like kind of true test is against North Carolina State, who uh, apparently Ken Palm has Michigan like as a seventy-five percent chance of winning that. It looks like. They predict North Carolina State will be just on the outside looking in, like a bubble team. So, and then the other four teams are all cupcakes, you know, like the Bowling Green. Yeah. So I think Michigan will start off five and zero, but that will also give Howard a chance to see what he has. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny we were talking. Big Ten is so good in basketball from top to bottom. Yeah. It's funny we were talking about Michigan and Michigan State being basketball schools. Big Ten conference is really a basketball conference. You know, uh, football, you know, they say SEC is the best, or a lot, a lot of people do. In basketball, it's tough to find a conference better than the Big Ten, particularly top, from top to bottom. And it's just that Midwest, it's like that, you know, we're in the gymnasiums during the wintertime. Yeah. We're not able to be outdoors. And so it breeds a lot of, uh, a lot of basketball talent. So it's fun. To, to be a part of the Big Ten Conference, I think it's the best one in, in, in all college basketball. Yeah, the ACC is good, but they just got some really just crap teams at the bottom. They, they have know? just so many teams. There's so many. Like, I can't keep count of them. Yeah, 15, um, I think. Notre Dame's in there now, too. Yeah. yeah. Notre Dame's a solid program. I do think – I used to think Big Ten football was overrated. I think in the last 10 years they've kind of asserted themselves. But, I mean, Big Ten and football is comparable to SEC – and then in basketball, they're comparable to ACC. Yeah. What's weird, you might think Big Ten's better at basketball, but they really haven't won a title since Michigan State did 20 years ago, whereas on the football side, they've had a few in that time. Yeah. Uh, real quick, uh, we're just going to wrap this one up and uh, give our predictions for the, the games on Saturday. Uh, what do you guys think the score is for Penn State at Michigan? I'll let you go first, Chris. Penn State, Michigan. I think it's going to be – Similar to last year, offensive game. Our, I mean, honestly, when the other team gets the ball, I'm just expecting seven points. <laughs> yeah. And that was even with Rutgers, where it just is every time. I don't have confidence that we're going to get a stop or a turnover. I have confidence. Here's what we can name the Michigan defense. Yards and points. That's like that's like the name. Like, what do you, what do you remember that team for? What did they really, you know? What what did they really do? What was ninety eighth? Uh, what's their what's their defense. brand? Giving yeah. up big yard plays, bend and break. 
Call ben that too. Wow. Ben and break. <laughs> uh, so I think it'll be a high-scoring affair. I think Cade will rise to the challenge, probably score 42 points. And I'll say Penn State scores, I'll say 45 to 38. Michigan wins. All right. All right. I, I think uh, Cade is good enough. And this also is just shows how much Milton struggled. Uh, I probably would have predicted 27-24 Penn State before the switch. I'll now go Michigan 31, Penn State 27. Uh, I think Penn State's a little bit better than their record. They still have some studs out there. Michigan now has the better quarterback. And part of the reason you can say that even after not even a full game with Cade is that's what's held Penn State back. They have some good linemen. They have some good uh, corners, some good receivers. But they don't have a dominant running back. Um, and they definitely they're lacking in the quarterback department. Yeah. So they'll still score twenty seven against Michigan because Michigan's so awful. But I think Michigan can score against them. I think Michigan wins twenty eight twenty. I just think Penn State dead. Um, they they have a really good receiver in Jahan Dotson. They had a good uh, tight end in Pat Fryermuth, but he's out for the season. Um, so I, I think Michigan wins this one. Michigan State at Penn State or Northwestern at Penn at Michigan State. Sorry. Northwestern knows how to win boring, like a Mark D'Antonio team. Uh, their defense just breaks you down, and their offense just bores you and does enough to win. I just don't know how Michigan State's going to score in this one. Like <laughs> like I said, unless they've been using the last two weeks to prep for this, I don't see them springing an upset. I think uh, Northwestern wins 17-6. What do you have? I will say Michigan State scores 17. Oh. And... They lose 31 to 17. And what did you I say? like the 17. I said uh, 17 to 6. Okay, and I I have a 24 to 10 Northwestern winning. You both have more confidence in my, my team's offense than me. Um, but we have less confidence in the defense, so yeah. it all evens out. Uh, but that, that wraps everything up for us. Thank you, everybody, for joining the Paul Bunyan podcast. American Folklore tells the story of Paul Bunyan, a lumberjack of enormous size and strength who along with his blue ox babe, carved the American countryside, creating many of its landscapes and natural wonders. The major logging state of Michigan has its own battle of men of enormous size and strength as the Michigan Wolverines and Michigan State Spartans square off in an annual showdown on the college football gridiron. They play for the Paul Bunyan Trophy, a fitting prize for this historic Big Ten showdown.